And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction of prepositions, a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with Miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to, to come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ. And comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Money Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents... The Best in Classic Radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, it's a very interesting episode from the detective series Boston Blackie from 1947. I'll tell you why it's interesting in just a little bit. Then Walt Disney and Donald Duck are guests on part one of the Charlie McCarthy Show. With me to help present these radio classics is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hi, Carl. Looking effervescent. Well, thank you. Feeling effervescent. Your dimples are as deep as ever. Uh, they're only getting deeper day yeah, by day, minute by minute. <laughs> there is surgery that can be done to uh, help correct that. No, I had surgery to to actually enhance that. Oh, to make them deeper. Mm, yeah, I like Those it crevices like on the side of your face. Yeah, I think they're attractive. Yeah, they are kind of attractive. Thanks. Right. If you're a crater. Thanks. Goes well with your bulbous head. Yeah, gigantic right? bulbous. You know, each uh, each to be unique. Sort of quasi-moto head. Yeah, I like to look a little. Thankfully, bit though, this is radio, and you don't have to worry about That's any of that right. stuff because our listeners right see you as this beautiful. Gorgeous, like you're glowing to them. Yeah, I'll just yeah. hold on to that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, what's in happening? The news, yeah. Guess who just turned ninety recently? Ninety, Betty 90. White. No. Um. Bah. Tony 90. Bennett. Oh, Tony Bennett. Yeah. Right. So he celebrated his 90th birthday with a whole star-studded guest list. Yeah. You know who does the most incredible impersonation of Tony Bennett? Like you? the best I've ever seen. Alec Baldwin. Does he? Yeah, Alec Baldwin. I think he was even at this party. Saturday Night Live. Did you ever see him do Tony Bennett on Saturday Night Live? I don't think so. Well, you got to check it out. Go to YouTube. Check it out. Oh, yeah, you, you've been to a website? No, yeah, I, can, I could do YouTube. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> have enough brain power and acumen to do that. Good. I wasn't, I just wasn't sure. Yeah, well. I'm just questioning. So, anywho, um, he had a birthday bash. It was held in the Rainbow Room at Rockefeller Plaza. And sure, it was. Why not? Were you invited, or me, or uh, Mike? I wasn't. I'm oh, a little man. perturbed. And about we go that. way back with Tony Bennett, all of us. You know, Lady Gaga was there. Sure. Um, She's you know, done they a built duet a with Friendship. They have uh, an album together. Well, she's single now. If he wants to date a younger woman, I you mean, remember she's... they did "Lady Is a Tramp" and they yeah. did the album "Cheek to Cheek," and uh-huh. um, they've spent a lot of time together. Yeah. Well, anywho, I was not invited, hmm. um, but because um, they had this birthday bash, this is going to culminate in a TV special because there were musical performances at this event. Hmm. It's called "Tony Bennett Celebrates 90: The Best Is Yet to Come." They went with a very <laughs> short title. Yeah. And it will air December 20th on NBC. It's a two-hour special, and performers include 
Lady Gaga, and Aretha Franklin, Stevie Wonder, Billy Joel, Elton John, Michael Bublé, Tony Bennett himself, and Lisa Wolf. Wow. <laughs> and you sing on this uh, event? I'm going to sing. I'm going to dance. dance. I've got the whole nine got yards. The whole I'm going to have on. to work on it for a while, but I've got you know a couple of months to wow, go. Wow, it sounds really cool. Doesn't so it's it? December 20th. It's just before Christmas. Then. Mm-hmm. So you can watch for me on right. that special, and nice. I look forward to it. Tony very, Bennett's very, fantastic. Yeah, I love, I love and, Tony Bennett. He's great. Maybe Alec Baldwin will show up. He's in New York a lot. Yeah, you know what? I should invite him, and we could go together. Right, you and Alec. Alec and I will go yeah, together. I think Alec is married, though. Well, so are well, you. Well, no, so. just for fun. Fine, you yeah. Know? All right. Time now for Boston Blackie. It was created by Jack Boyle. And uh, he, uh, Boston Blackie was a young, handsome, well-educated gentleman who loved his fellow man. But he was also a hardened criminal and safecracker who served time in a California prison. Rehabilitated, he decided to use his knowledge of the underworld to fight crime as an amateur detective. Known as an enemy to those who make him an enemy, friend to those who have no friend, Blackie's exploits were successfully adapted to films, radio, and television. Blackie first came to the big screen in a series of silent movies from 1919 through 1927. In 1941, Columbia Pictures launched a highly successful series of B-movies starring Chester Morris. A total of 14 Boston Blackie pictures starring Morris were filmed between 1941 and 1949. Flanking Morris in the features was Dick Lane as New York Police Inspector Faraday. And because Blackie had a checkered past, Inspector Faraday tagged him for just about every unsolved crime committed in the Big Apple, requiring Blackie to solve the case before landing in jail. Riding the Boston Blackie wave, NBC brought the character to radio as a summer replacement for their Rinso-sponsored and mega-popular Amos and Andy series in 1944, with Chester Morris reprising his film role. In 1945, Broadway actor Richard Kalmar took over the radio role with Maurice Tarplin as Inspector Faraday and Leslie Woods as Blackie's girlfriend Mary Wesley. Kalmar brought just the right amount of sarcastic wit and charm to the character, starring in more than 200 radio episodes produced between 1945 and 1950. Boston Blackie transitioned to television starring likable B-movie leading man Kent Taylor in 1951. One difference between the TV and movie Boston Blackie was TV's Blackie sported a pencil-thin mustache. He solved crimes while tooling around Los Angeles in a souped-up convertible with his gal pal Mary and faithful dog Whitey by his side. A total of 58 half-hour TV episodes were produced and syndicated from 1951 through 1953. Okay, I told you we have a Boston Blackie episode and that it was quite unique. It's called Missing Millicent Bromley, and it stars Leslie Woods as Mary Wesley. No Boston Blackie on this. No Dick Calmer as Boston Blackie. He's missing, but he, do- but he does help solve the crime by phoning his girlfriend Mary and his pal Shorty and helping him with all of the deduction. What do you think of that? Well, we'll listen I guess Dick Calmer was probably sick was, this week. He was busy that week. They're like, what do yeah. we do here? Or he had a, you know... Who That's knows? what you should do next. He had time. a curl his hair it, uh, or to the radio show. have his toenails uh, trimmed. I don't know. I think you but should he just didn't... call it in. Yeah. So this is from April twenty second, nineteen forty seven. Pretty interesting. Let's listen now to part one of Boston Blackie.
We've got to find that woman, you understand? We've got to find that girl, you hear? Hey, Inspector Faraday, we can't hear you when you pound your desk like that. You'll pound a beat if you don't find the Bromley girl, Carlson. And the same goes for the rest of you, too. Look, Inspector, this is the homicide department. How come the pressure's on us to find her? Because the pressure's on the whole force. And what's more, this kind of thing leads to murder sometimes. More than sometimes. And we want to get to work before there's a murder. Okay. No, it isn't okay. What have we done so far? Inspector, we've got every radio car in the city in operation. We've called in all off-duty men, canceled all... I know what we've done, Carlson. And I know what we haven't done, too. We haven't found Millicent Bromley. She's just a 22-year-old, see? A girl who's done nobody any harm, see? And she's in the hands of thugs, see? Now, we're supposed to be great, big, strong he-men. We're supposed to be policemen. We're supposed to protect the people of this city from accidents and crimes. Yet we can't even help a 22-year-old girl. No. Faraday speaking. Inspector Faraday, this is Shorty. You know, Shorty, Boston Blackie's place. Yeah, I know who you are, Shorty. So don't bother me, I'm busy. Yeah, I know that, Inspector Faraday. That's why I'm calling. I can make you unbusy. Oh, you can, can you? Yeah. Well, isn't that nice? Now, look, Shorty, I've got... Don't... But you got to listen to me, Inspector Faraday. Blackie's out of town. Oh, he... Blackie's out of town, is he? That's wonderful. Now, why don't you get out of town, too? Then I'll solve this case the way it ought to be solved. Inspector Faraday, I, I just talked to Blackie's girlfriend, Mary Wesley, and she talked to Blackie. He's in California. You talk to Miss Wesley, and Miss Wesley talked to Blackie. So what? What do I care? I'm busy looking for a missing girl. Now, goodbye. Oh, gee, Inspector Faraday, don't hang up. I know you're looking for a girl. It's Millicent Bromley, isn't it? Yeah, it's Millicent Bromley. And I suppose you know right where she is. I sure do, Inspector Faraday. She's right here in my room. And now on to tonight's adventure of Boston Blackie. Enemy to those who make him an enemy. Friend to those who have no friend. That's Shorty's door, Carlson, at the end of the hall. You think he was on the level about having the Bromley girl, Inspector Faraday? I don't know. If he does, this case is awful easy. I haven't had an easy case in ten years. I'll know in a minute. Open up, Shorty. It's Faraday. Open up! Come on in, Inspector Faraday. Hey, better, what's the matter with you, Shorty? You're bleeding. Grab him, Carlson, before he falls down. I got him, Inspector. Thanks. You better sit down, bud. Yeah, sure. All right. There you go. You know, you guys got here too late. Hey, what happened you to you, Shorty? Come... Where's the Bromley girl? I don't know, Inspector Faraday. Uh-oh, Faraday. You said this might be one of Blackie's gags? Yeah. Oh, no, no, Inspector. This ain't no gag. She was here, but somebody slugged me from behind and... When I came to, she was gone. Oh, yeah? So help me, that that's the truth. Take this down, will you, Carlson? You manage, Inspector. Okay. Now, Shorty, Blackie put you up to this, didn't he? No. It's his idea of a gag. Or maybe he's mixed up in this. Honest, Inspector, all Blackie had to do with this was to tell me to call you up and say the girl was here. Ah, uh, but the girl wasn't here, was she? But she was, Inspector Faraday. Honest, she was. She was right there on that couch there when I was talking to you on the phone. All right, she was right there on the couch. How'd she happen to get here? You grabbed her, didn't you? No, honest, Inspector Faraday. She was here when I got here. And the professor was here, too. He said she was his niece. The professor? Who's he? He's a guy I know. Nice guy, too. He's used my room before, but he's never brought anybody with him before. Especially anybody he swiped. How did you know the Bromley girl wasn't the professor's niece if the professor said she was his niece? Well, the professor left and told me to let the girl sleep. 
I turned on the radio in the other room, and I heard what the Bromley girl was wearing. Uh-huh. Now, this girl was wearing the same thing. Sure, sure. I went over to wake her up and ask her if she was the Bromley girl, and then I saw she was doped. And then, suddenly, something hit me on the head. You're lying, shorty. If I'm lying, you think I hit myself on the head? I wouldn't doubt it. Ah! I think this whole thing is phony. Now, come on, who's this professor? Is that Blackie? Or is he something else Blackie dreamed up? No, no. Honest, Inspector Faraday. The, the professor's a real guy. He's real, huh? Yeah. All right, where does he live? I don't know. Oh, you don't, huh? Well, isn't that convenient? Shorty, you're number one on my suspicion parade. And maybe the charge will be murder. Which is another way of saying you're under arrest. <laughs> You recovered the Bromley girl from Shorty's room without Shorty seeing you, didn't you, Tommy? Oh, sure, Professor. He didn't even know what hit him. And the Bromley dame's still sleeping in the next room. Splendid. Now, I want you and Bill to listen to me very closely. I think I know what we're going to do next, Professor. I hope you do, Tommy. But Bill here wasn't present for the initial proceedings. I think we had best... Uh, One thing I don't savvy yet, Prof, is why we stashed the dame at Shorty's in the first place and then had a conk Shorty to get her back. Well, Bill, I didn't want to bring her directly here to my place until I was certain the police had no description of me. So it was expedient for the girl and I to remain in someone else's abode until I could ascertain whether or not it was safe to lodge her here. Oh, I get it. Nobody spotted you snatching a dame, so after a couple of hours at Shorty's, it was okay for us to get her out of Shorty's, huh? Your powers of deduction are brilliant, Bill. Uh, But now for your instructions. I managed the girl this far. As Tommy knows, she'll be in your care from now on. Yes, sure, Prof. We keep her here, Prof? No, Bill. You will take her out to our farm and wait there for the delivery of the ransom money. When you have the money, bring it here to me. Hey, look, Prof, it's a long way out to the farm. What if the Brownlee dame wakes up on the way out and starts yelling? I don't think you'll have any trouble with her, Tommy. Asleep or awake. Well, if we do... Oh, no, you won't, Tommy. We'll have none of that. Oh, but, Prof, if she starts to queer our plan... The girl is not to be mistreated in any way, do you understand? Well, I'll see that everything goes all right, Professor. I'm certain you will, Tommy. And what about after we get the dough? What do we do with the dame then? Release her, by all means. And show her the greatest courtesy while she's in your care. Okay. Now, um, how do we get the money? My dog will bring it to the shack. Huh? The dog, Prof. How's a dog going to bring you some money? Where's a dog going to get it? The ransom note I have just prepared states that they will find my dog leashed to a tree on the Oxford Road, six miles west of Havensville. Yeah? They are to strap the packages of money, $50,000, in 20 and $50 bills, all old money, to the dog's back, and untie him from the tree, Mm. and then say, now, go home. The dog... We'll do the rest. But, Professor, won't somebody follow the dog? Why do you think I'm going to such fantastic measures to procure the ransom money, Tommy? Perhaps someone will try to follow my dog. But it'll be impossible. I have trained him for months to run a devious course at top speed and to duck through thickets and backtrack in the densest underbrush. (whistles) And parts of the terrain over which he will travel with the ransom money will be impassable to man. No, Tommy, no one will follow my dog. But they're perfectly welcome to try. (laughs) 
Inspector Faraday, I know you're doing everything possible to find my daughter, but can't you do the impossible and get her back? Mr. Bromley will do anything to find that daughter of yours. But you can help us if you give us the details of the ransom but note. But I haven't received a note. Mr. Bromley, I know exactly how you feel about this. You think you're protecting your daughter by not cooperating with the police because the note says not to contact the police. But, Inspector Faraday, you must believe me, I have not received a note. You haven't, huh? No. But when I do, you can be sure I'll contact you, no matter what the note says. Will you promise me that? Even if the note warns you not to come to us? I'm no fool, Inspector. I know you could handle these fellows far better than I. Well, I'm glad you realize that. If more people realize that, there'd be far less crime. You'll get complete cooperation from me, don't worry. But isn't there anything you can do before I get the note? We've done all we could on the leads we've had. Well, this, this, this shorty person, what does he know about it? I don't know. He tells a story that makes some sense, but not enough to suit me. I still think he's mixed up in this some way. Or Boston Blackie is. You're holding, Shorty? No, I have to let him go. Not enough on him. Well, this story he tells about a, a, a professor. Perhaps that's your lead. It is a lead, and we're working on it. But so far, we haven't been able to find any professor. But certainly this Shorty must know where he lives if he knows him well Mr. enough. Mr. Bromley, you don't know underworld people. If Shorty's telling the truth about a professor, he may also be telling the truth when he says he doesn't know where he lives. Or some of the best-known people in the underworld have hideouts that no one knows about. Not even members of their own gang. Oh, I, I see. Uh, don't worry, Mr. Brownlee. We'll find him. Come in. Inspector Faraday. Yeah, Carlson, what do you want? I've got something you want, Inspector. We got a tip on where a guy they call the professor may be hiding out. Oh, thanks heaven. You have, huh? Good. Where? In a brown house on Front Street between Canal and the Bay Bridge Ranch. Front Street, huh? Yep. That's near where Shorty lives. Maybe he was telling the truth. Inspector, now maybe we'll find my daughter. I hope so, Mr. Bromley. Maybe you'd like to come along with us. I'm going down to Front Street in person to teach that professor a lesson. Here's the professor's house, Mr. Bromley. Are you sure? Yes. The tip said it was a brown house on Front Street, didn't it, Counselor? Yes, sir. And between Canal Street and the Bay Bridge ramp. This is the only brown house on the block. Want me to go in first, Inspector? No, I'll go first. You and Mr. Brownlee follow. We have to find Millicent here, Inspector. This is our only lead to her. And there's still Shorty. We can pick him up any time we want to. Oh, uh, on what grounds, Inspector? We never saw him with her. We can't charge him with any... I know that, but we... Well, let's go in and have a chat with this professor. There... There won't be shooting, will there? If there is, Mr. Brownlee, I'll start it. My gun's all set. Hey, why not try the door, Inspector? It might be open. All right. But watch it. You better step back a few feet, Mr. Browning. That's all right, Inspector. I'm not afraid. Hmm. Door's open. Let's go in. But slowly, slowly. Hmm. Doesn't look to me as if this house has been lived in lately. Uh, some people don't care how they live, Carlson. Inspector, there's a light shining from under that door. There. Yeah, I just saw it, Mr. Browning. Come on, let's have a look. Ready with your gun, Carlson. Ready. But be careful. He may be holding my daughter as a shield. Please, be careful. We'll watch out, Mr. Browning. Okay. I'm going to try the door. I'm all set. Fling her open if she isn't locked. And there's our professor. Okay, prop, put the... Matter, Inspector Faraday. Nothing much, Mr. Bromley. But there's a lot the matter with the professor. He's dead. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
22-year-old Millicent Bromley is missing, but is later found by Shorty, a friend of Boston Blackie. Shorty learns that the girl is stolen and gets in touch with Boston Blackie, who's out of town. Blackie tells Shorty to contact Faraday of the police. Shorty calls Inspector Faraday, but before the inspector gets to Shorty's room, Shorty is knocked out and the girl stolen from him. Shorty claims a man named the Professor brought the girl to his room, but when the police find the Professor, he's dead. That's the first portion of Boston Blackie. We'll get back to it after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now let's get back to Boston Blackie. As we return to our story, Shorty has been released by the police. And in the Bromley home, the phone rang. Hello. You Bromley? Yes. Did you get our little note about the ransom? Yes, I just this minute received it. Are you the man who has my daughter? I'll ask the questions. But I'll answer that one with a... Yeah. I got your note. I'll pay your money. Only give me back my daughter. You'll get her back, Bromley. But did you read that little note real good? Yes, yes, I read it. Well, it said, don't tell the police what's in it. Did you read that? Yes, I did. Well, remember that, pal. Or forget about your daughter. Oh, I'll be... Hello. Hello. Oh, he hung up. Yes? I'd like to talk to Mr. Harold Bromley, if it's okay. I'm Harold Bromley. Oh, hiya. I'm Shorty. I guess you've heard of me. I certainly have. I. You got a minute so I can talk to you? Definitely. Come in. Come in. Thanks. The uh, police have released you, I trust. Yeah, but they'll nab me again if we don't find your kid. I'm still in a jam. Look, I I just been talking to my friend Boston Blackie long distance, see? And he asked me to come and see you. Your friend Blackie is going to help me find my daughter? He's trying to now, Mr. Bromley. But how can he help me when he's out of town? Oh, he'll be here tomorrow. But he figured he might help even before he got here. If you tell him what's in that note... Well, I intend to tell Inspector Faraday of the police, in spite of the fact that I just had a phone call warning me not to... But do you think it's wise for me to tell Blackie, too? Well, if you're smart enough to spill it to the cops, you sure can't go wrong spilling it to Blackie. You know, Blackie comes up with some shortcut ideas every now and then. Yes, he does, doesn't he? Sure. All right. Here's what the note says. The money, $50,000 in old bills in 20s and 50s, is to be taken by car to a tree on the Oxford Road, six miles west of Havensville. Uh-huh, I got it. There'll be a dog near the tree. A dog? With cooks? The money is to be strapped to the dog's back. I am to untie the dog and say, now go home. And that will be that. Why, that's the nuttiest thing I ever heard. I'm afraid it's rather clever, though, Shorty. They caution me not to try to leash the dog. He'll balk. He won't move. And not to try to follow it. It'll be impossible. What is, huh? Well, maybe so. Look, uh, when do you have to kick in with the ransom money? At midnight, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, huh? Okay, now I'll tell you what. Just so those guys can't say you double-crossed them, I'll go to the cops. That note sure didn't say nothing about me. $51,000 
on Sunset Parkway. Good evening. Hello, Harry. This is Shorty. Oh, yeah, Shorty. Any more news from Blackie? Well, there's a telegram here for you. Yeah, that's what I meant. I guess it's from Blackie telling me what plane he's coming in on. Well, uh, it got here just three minutes ago. Read it to me, will you? Okay, just a minute. Yeah, good. Uh, here you are, Shorty. Okay. Uh, read it slow. Okay. It's from Blackie, all right. What plane's he coming in on? Well, here's what his wire says. Yeah? Weather impossible. All planes grounded. Phone me here about note as soon as you know something. Signed, Blackie. Okay, Harry, I'll do that. Blackie says he'll tell me what to do next, huh? Gee, I, I sure hope so. <laughs> Yeah, Blackie, I got it. Oh, gee, that's a swell idea, Blackie. But the note says not to tell the cops what's in it. Well, okay, if you think it's okay. Yeah, I'll go see Inspector Faraday right away. Uh-huh. 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 Look, Shorty. You want to spend the rest of your life in this office of mine? Maybe. Now, look, Inspector. I came here to tell you what was in the ransom note Mr. Bromley got. He got the note? You know what's in it? Sure. How do you know? Did you write it? No, I didn't. Mr. Bromley told me what was in it. He told you? Uh Uh-huh. Why didn't you say so in the first place? Because you've been screaming your head off ever since I walked in that door. Well, I'll scream some more if you wait any longer to tell me what's in that note. Okay. Here it is. Now... At midnight tonight, we take $50,000 in old bills, 20s and 50s, to a tree on the Oxford Road, six miles west of Havensville. I know, the old gag. Leave it in a hole in the tree, huh? Oh, no. There'll be a dog there. Yeah, I thought... A dog? Yeah, a dog, tied to the tree. We strap the money on the dog's back, untie the dog, and he scrams with the dough. That's fine. Just how are we going to follow a dog? Those things can run, and they probably got this one trained to break records. Yeah, I guess maybe they have, Inspector Faraday. But Blackie's come up with an idea how we can trail the dog without following him. He has. Uh Uh-huh. How are we going to do it? Tie rockets to our pants? You better hurry, Mr. Bromley. It's almost midnight. We want to release the dog here right on the dot of 12. It's almost done, Inspector Faraday. My my hands are shaking so I can hardly... There... Seems secure enough? Good. Now, here's where we start fooling these guys. How, Inspector? We'll never be able to follow this dog by trying to run after it. No. But we can do something so we can watch where he goes. Now, look around you, Mr. Bromley. What do you see? Well, nothing but darkness. Yeah, pitch darkness. But in that darkness are hills. Pretty high hills, too. I have men posted on the top of nearly every hill in the vicinity. Will they be able to see the dog? No, they won't be able to see the dog, even using binoculars. That is, not as the dog is now. Shorty, do you have that can of luminous paint? Yeah, sure. It's right here, Inspector. I'm putting it on the dog's tail now. Oh, now I see what you're going to do. Put some on the dog's sides, too, Shorty. A nice wide band of it, huh? Yeah, I'm doing that right now. Say, this paint won't hurt him, will it? No, I checked into that. The stuff's non-poisonous. Good. We'll get it off after it's served its purpose. What happens now? Do your men watch the dog through binoculars and then go to wherever the dog stops? No. They're all equipped with field radios, Mr. Bromley, and they'll radio the dog's progress and eventual destination right here to us. Let the dog go, Shorty. Okay, boy. Now go home. 
He's loose. Go on, scram, puppy. Have a good run, boy. Wow, look at him go. And look how clearly you can see the luminous paint on his tail and sides. Yeah. All right, Mr. Bromley. Let's go back to my car. See what's on the radio. Sergeant Lawrence in north position. The dog just crossed Highway 6 going due west. I followed him straight west until he disappeared into a pass. This is Carlson, west position. The dog just passed below us, heading up the bank of the Owl River, seven miles from the Staten Bridge. He's now heading into open country in the direction of Plainfield. This is Williams on a hill near Plainfield. The dog just arrived at a farmhouse 18 miles north of Plainfield. I'm watching now. The door's been opened by someone on the inside. The dog has entered the house. All right, Inspector Faraday, it's all yours. 40,920. 40, you know, Tommy, I still don't see 40, why we knocked off the 40, professor. Well, Bill, we got rid of the professor because $50,000 splits bigger two ways than four. Four ways? Yeah. Yeah, I have a surprise for you, Bill. Huh? You, the professor, and I make three... But the Bromley girl makes four. Huh? I don't get it. This was a deal cooked up by the Bromley dame herself to get money from her tightwad father. Are you leveling? The prof didn't snatch that dame? No. Neither did we when we took her out of Shorty's room. Now, that was all a part of the Bromley girl's deal with the professor. The professor said he'd go in with her if he could drug her and keep her in somebody else's joint while the heat was good and hot. Any dame that'd do that to her own father just to get money from him, what... Hey, hey what the... what's happened to the lights? Oh, what do you think happened to them? They went out. We didn't touch a thing. We didn't... Hey, touch... I don't like this. Let's get out of here. Okay, but what about the Bromley dame? Never mind her. Come on. We'll run across the yard to the barn. All right, you guys. Stay where you are. Yeah, a lot of cops. Don't move either, Bill. Grab them, boys. They never have time to reach their guns, Inspector. That's a good thing, Carlson. Yeah, we know when to be good, boys. Yeah? Where's the Bromley girl? Still in the house. Okay, Carlson. Send one of the men in after him. Okay. Go. Ah, now we have the men we want, the ransom money, and the Bromley woman. Maybe this was all Blackie's idea, but I did it just as well as if Blackie himself were here. Police headquarters, homicide. Carlson, this is Inspector Faraday. Oh, yes, Inspector. Where are you? The commissioner wants to congratulate you. I'm home in bed. I just had an idea. You know where Blackie is? Uh, still grounded on the coast, I hear, but there... Well, I want uh... to send him a wire. Take this down. Uh, yes, sir, but... Uh, Here it is. Uh... Here it is. Recovered Millicent Bromley, who was just pretending to be kidnapped to extort money from her own father. But, uh... Men, I thought, abductors killed Professor, as you said they did. But, uh... I had a touch of my own in capture to protect Bromley Girl. But, Cut uh, power lines to farmhouse, knowing they would fear trap when house went dark. Uh, they ran out of house, and I nabbed them without endangering Girl. Uh, who's brilliant now? But, uh, uh, sign it, Faraday, huh? Uh, just a minute, Inspector. I've been trying to tell you there's a wire here for you. Got here about six hours ago, according to desk sergeant. Six hours ago, huh? Yeah. And that was before we got to the farmhouse. Probably from Blackie with some crazy no-good idea. Uh, read it to me anyway. Uh, yes, sir, just a minute. Uh, uh, here it is, here. Uh, from Blackie, all right. What's he say? Uh, he says, uh, judge from use of dog, kidnappers are holed up in farmhouse or country home. To avoid danger to Millicent Bromley in event of shooting, 
suggest you cut power lines. Throwing house in darkness will possibly force them outside where you can nab them without risking life of girls. Don't bother reading the rest of it, Carlson. And don't bother sending my wire to Blackie. And wipe that smile off your face, Carlson. It isn't that funny. And that's Boston Blackie from April 22nd, 1947, with Missing Millicent Bromley, not starring Dick Calmer as Boston Blackie. He wasn't on this broadcast, but Leslie Woods played his girlfriend, Mary Wesley, and Shorty was played by Tony Barrett. Maurice Tarplin starred as Inspector Faraday on this episode. It's heard on ABC. Hope you enjoyed Boston Blackie. All right, uh, it's time now, Lisa, for one of your favorite comedy shows of all time. That's Edgar true. Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Lisa's a big uh, ventriloquism fan. <laughs> ventriloquism fan. Is that what it's called? Yeah, no, it's yeah. right. It just, She's a ventriloquist. <laughs> you are, right? Well, I used to practice that a lot yeah. as a child. And now you I'm, have a Charlie McCarthy doll. I sure do. One was giving, given to you as a gift by Ed Fogel, our that pal Ed true. Fogel. He did. He, he heard it. us talking about yep. the fact that you used to have mm-hmm. a Charlie McCarthy dummy. That's true. Now you only have a Carl Amari dummy. No. But back then you had a Charlie now McCarthy I, and dummy. And I have another one now. And, and he I, brought you one. I, I really like it. And, you know, I just recently saw Terry Feeder. Yeah. Um, he was a winner of America's Got Talent. Alan, and he's a ventriloquist and a comedian, and I saw him for the second time in Las Vegas, and I guess I'm just very intrigued by the whole concept. Yeah, I think you just like to have your hand up the dummy That's and it. able to control him. Of course. You know. Of course. And you again, just, you know, how this works on radio is certainly a mystery. She wants to control what I say, but you can't because you're over there and I'm over here. That's can't a good, do it. That's a good thing. We'll just keep our distance. Can't do it. Not <laughs> Not going to do it. I wasn't going to try. Do it. Not Nobody do it. can control you, and this I will is, give you that. This is true. All right, so <laughs> it's time now for part one of the Charlie McCarthy Show. And on this, special guests are Walt Disney, the real Walt Disney, and Donald Duck. Of course, the uh, the person who played Donald Duck was Clarence Nash, so he appears on this as well. Here is uh, part one of the Charlie McCarthy Show. The makers of Chase and Sanborn Coffee and Royal Puddings bring you the Charlie McCarthy Show. This is Ken Carpenter, ladies and gentlemen, greeting you on behalf of Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy, Ray Noble and his orchestra, Anita Gordon, Mortimer Snard, Pat Patrick as Ursula Twing, Alan Reed, Jack Mather, and our special guests, Walt Disney and Donald Duck. come to you from Pasadena, California, where we've just seen a preview of Edgar and Charlie's new picture, Fun and Fancy Free, by Walt Disney, which will have its world premiere in New York City on September 27th. And here are Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Well, Charlie, what did you think of the picture? Oh, boy, great, great. I give it four bells. Why, you clumsy butterfingers, you? <laughs> that man is through. All right. Uh, well, I love the title, Fun and Fancy Free. You'd love anything that's free, Bergen. <laughs> well, frankly, my chest is sticking out with pride. Yeah? Yeah. Your stomach is even prouder. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Charlie, what do you think of, of your work in the picture? Oh, please, no. 
I can't. What? Oh, you, you know how darn easy I blush. Oh. <laughs> oh, why must I be so cursed with all this talent? All right, all right. Well, there were others in the show besides you, you know. There was Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck. Well, Natch, every picture has to have extras. Yes, I know. <laughs> and there's also Goofy. Oh, I did somebody call me. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, no. where's, where's Mr. Disney? Well, he'll be right back, Ray. Oh. Ray, don't you think we should show Mr. Disney our gratitude with a, a little speech of appreciation? Yes, that would be nice. I think it'd be nice. It'd mm-hmm. make him happy, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could tell him one of my uh, dreadfully droll witticisms. No. Uh-huh. Yeah. no. Oh, this one's about a kangaroo. Yeah. Yes. Uh, if only I could remember the punchline. Oh! Oh, do you get it? <laughs> That's what's known as a foolproof joke. Yes, yes. Yeah. And you're just a fool that can prove it, too. <laughs> Ray, where do you get those awful jokes? Well, Edgar, I, I just drop in at the barbecue place down the street. They're always good for a few ribs. And... I bet you. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Now, Charlie, what about this speech? I, I don't think it's necessary for both of us to give one. No, no. So I think I'm going to let you do the talking for me. Uh, me do the talking for you? Yes. Well, now, that's an interesting switch, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Now, let me hear what you're going to say. Now, when you speak, you, you must speak from the diaphragm. Uh-huh. I have spoken. <laughs> All right. And remember, you must be convincing. The best orator is one who can make his men see with their ears. Yeah? Yes, yes. Now, when I talk... They listen with their noses. No, no. <laughs> Well, go on with your speech, Charlie. Well, how is this? Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, fellow convicts. No, 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 no. I thought I was in school. No. <laughs> oh, there you are, Edgar. Well, Walt Disney. <laughs> and Donald Duck. <laughs> well, Edgar, how did you like the picture? Mr. Disney, it behooves me to say that it was an honor. A great honor to work for you. Oh, Charlie, that's nice of you. An honor, I might say, I richly deserve. (laughs) Well, I hope we have the pleasure of working together again. That would be nice. Mr. Disney, I can do the same thing for you that I did for Bergen. Oh, no, thanks. I like to keep my hair. (laughs) Walt, I thought you did a splendid job in that picture. Are you kidding? He wasn't even in it. <laughs> well, don't you think Donald Duck gave a sterling performance? Sterling? Well, that's silver. I think of him more on the pewter side. <laughs> well, didn't you like Donald in that role? It, the only role I'd like him in is a casserole. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the way he waddles. <laughs> Reminds me of Bergen coming out of the shower. Oh. <laughs> oh, now, Donald, I'm sure that deep down inside, Charlie likes you very much. Uh, oh, what? Uh, <laughs> well, now, let's not start that. Uh, don't, you, don't you have something nice, Donald, to say to Charlie? Oh, Charles, drop down! Drop it. Barnyard delinquent, I'll snatch you ball tailed. Now, Johnny, let go of his feathers. Let go. Oh, now, see, Charlie, you've hurt him. You pull some of his tail feathers out. Okay, I'll stick them back in. There. Ow! 
Why, you Long Island entree, you? Why don't you fly south? Now, let's not quibble about who was the best performer. Ray, who do you think contributed most to the picture? Uh, well, not merely because I wrote some of it, but I rather like the music. Well, Mortimer, hmm? here we are again. Oh, where? Right here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, who? Well, you and I. Oh, yeah, them, yeah. Yeah, well, that's the way it goes. Yeah. Just like I always said, uh, always said, you know. Yes? Yeah. <laughs> sure. You said what? Well, I said, um, I've always said it. Uh, now, what is it? Uh, see, I don't know, you know. I guess I don't say it no more. I... You saw the picture. Were you satisfied with your role? Um... Hmm? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Did you enjoy the picture? Well, but it sure was scary. Scary? Oh, ah. Mortimer, only very stupid people are frightened by a motion picture. Well, yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure I can qualify. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take a break on the Charlie McCarthy Show. We'll be right back. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Next time, it's the conclusion to the Charlie McCarthy Show from 1947 with special guests Walt Disney and Donald Duck. Then, Douglas Fairbanks Jr. stars on Suspense. You won't want to miss that. That's it for this edition of Hollywood 360. We'll see you next time.